are listening to First Church Charlotte. Greetings, everyone. Pastor Nathan here. It is an honor to spend a few moments with you. I hope you're having a great week. I believe the Lord is with you. I believe he is blessing you. I want to take advantage of this time together to talk about a subject that has become very dear in my life and in my heart. Uh, I have been very influenced by uh, the work of Craig Hill, who was founder of Family Foundations International. And uh, he, has, he has several books out, but one of those books has really spoke to me in the last few months. And the name of that book is The Power of a Parent's Blessing. So I'm going to spend the next few weeks uh, in this, this genre of teaching. Uh, I want to speak to all of you, uh, first of all, who are parents, have children in your life, either yours or um, grandchildren or even other children that's in your family that you have an influence upon. Uh, that's number one. <clears throat> it would be easy, however, for us to think that if we don't have children, that this teaching isn't for us. That's where I want to challenge all of you, whether or not you are single, uh, whether or not you are married without children. Um, I want you to free yourself from the idea that you do not have people whom it is the will of the Lord for you to nourish and nurture, uh, whether or not that's spiritually, whether or not that is in the friends and um, family-type relationships, whether or not that is in the church, it is the will, the will of the Lord that blessings flow through your hands, blessings flow through your mouth, blessings flow from your life to other people's lives. In fact, some of you, I would like to challenge, uh, you have allowed yourself to think that because you do not have children, that you have no role in this regard, uh, I want to challenge you, and I want to say that it may be uh, that your circumstances are intentional because there is someone, when I say intentional, I mean the will of God, uh, because there's someone that you need to be nourishing. There is someone that you need to be speaking blessings uh, upon them. So I will speak a lot about parents and children, but I don't want you to be limited in thinking that that is uh, in some way exclusive. If you do not have children, then this doesn't apply to you. No, no. And again, I say, no, this is for uh, all of us. Now, let's start with foundations. Let's start with patriarchs. Uh, Abram is called by God, and he is invited to live a certain kind of life. Uh, it's not that he doesn't have a life already. He does. It's not that he doesn't have place already in family already. He does. Um, it's just that the invitation of the Lord is such that if he's going to follow the destiny that God has for him, uh, he's not going to do that by staying home and being comfortable. He is going to have to turn the whole of his life toward the seeking of something that is partly of this world, but mostly not of this world. Yes, there is a physical land that God will lead him to. Yes, there is a physical place where his children uh, will live and inhabit. Uh, God's going to give him a physical land. But if that's how you think the life of Abraham, 
is uh, destined to work itself out, you would have missed the greater portion and the greater part of Abram's destiny given to him by God. And so, yes, there is a physical place, but there is a spiritual calling. Yes, there is real uh, land, but there is, on a higher level, a spiritual land. And he is directed by God to, as it were, bridge both realms. He is going to be in a physical place, just like you and I are in a physical place, but his destiny is such that he is invited to perceive a world beyond this world, a realm beyond this world, a city beyond this city, a promised land beyond this promised land. Uh, This is profoundly evocative. This is profoundly uh, instructional uh, to all of us who seek to grow spiritually from exposure to the lives, the stories, the testimonies of the patriarchs. So, Uh, The Lord speaks to Abraham and says, go forth from your country, leave your homeland, your relatives, uh, your father's house, go to a land where I will show you. Uh, The interesting thing about leaving the father's house is it is as though he is foregoing an inheritance that which would have been his, he foregoes that to receive God's inheritance. This is something that we have to understand in order to be spiritual people. We are not just looking for blessing for the sake of blessing. We're looking for a certain kind of blessing. We're not looking for an inheritance for the sake of inheritance. Whether you're in business, whether you're in career, whatever your life path is, you don't just want success. You want a certain kind of success. If you miss this, um, you will think of God not as a path, that you should follow, a way you should walk. You will think of God as a type of religious genie to give you what you want. You really want money, fame, fortune. You get get the idea. You'll use God as a formula to to get what you really want. Well, this is idolatry. You're not really worshiping God. You're using God to get what you want. We're not looking for success at any price. We're not looking for favor at any price. We're looking for a certain kind of success and a certain kind of favor. I know I can stay here and get the inheritance of my father's house. I am looking for what God would give to me, not blessing a certain kind of blessing. And so he follows this. The Lord gives him this promise. I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you. Make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. And the one who curses you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the world will be blessed. This is covenant language. To understand and appreciate the structure of it, you need to think in terms of of covenants. So he is aligning his fortunes, so to speak, with God. And that's the language God is using. I'm on your side. I'm on your team. Uh, If they bless you, I'll bless them. If they curse you, I'll curse them. You are no longer without identity. You are my household. You are the part, a part of the household of God. This is covenant uh, language that is important for us to understand. But the, the, the final uh, statement of, if you'll allow me to say this big word, <laughs> well, I don't, not, anyway, the, the, the final statement of destiny placed upon Abraham is that um, 
I'm going to bless you, but you are going to bless all the nations of the world. This establishes God's heart. Uh, this establishes God's ultimate mission to bless his creation and do it through chosen people. Uh, this is divinity working itself out through the story of humanity. Uh, so if we're going to take this at its face value, and we should, uh, we're going to have to ask ourselves, um, what exactly is blessing and what exactly is its opposite cursing? I don't mean in the sense that someone cuts you off in, tra in traffic and you curse them. You know who you are. <laughs> That's not what I'm talking about. We're talking about spiritual ideals, spiritual principles, spiritual things. Um, and on one hand, you have blessing and all that it entails. And on the other hand, you have uh, cursing. Now, in terms of our human understanding, a lot of times we think of blessing in terms of um, someone giving you money, someone giving you an inheritance, um, someone uh, doing something for you that you wanted, that maybe even you needed, and it has made your life better for, the rec for receiving it. And cursing is oftentimes associated in our human mind with almost like witchcraft. Like they get their voodoo doll out and they kill a chicken. <laughs> they get a little pen and they build a fire and they put chicken blood. And they, you, you get the idea. As a result, we, we tend to think of it almost in um, uh, the terms of humanity's past, not in the terms and language of the here and now. Uh, this, this allows us in some ways um, to to sum the, 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 the image, the idea, the spiritual principles, kind of sum them up and in some ways be done with them. But when we do that, we, we miss uh, the here and now of divine blessing and the here and now of curses. All right, so let me go a little deeper now that I've piqued your interest. Um, to review, blessing is not just giving, giving you something you want and cursing is not just calling you a bunch, a bunch of names. I want to try to give you a more spiritual, biblical idea of blessing. So uh, blessing is God using humanity to share, to impart the message or the identity of God to the heart of another person. So uh, this is uh, important to understand, and I, I, I'm pausing here intentionally. Blessing is when God uses somebody in your life to impart his message and his identity, his way, his destiny for you to you. You would be blessed through that person. God has a plan for all this, this human story. God has a plan that is unfolding and he uses people to communicate that plan, to impart that plan uh, to, in some way, include another person. So if you are blessed through somebody, God will have used them to share with you his identity, his purpose, his ways, his heart. They would have manifest uh, the very image that God desired for you to have and to be from God to you, as it were, they empowered connection. They built a bridge. They were a Jacob's ladder. 
between God's purpose and ultimate love, plan, destiny for you. Here it is in heaven. It's connected to you. God has used them to bless you. On the other hand, um, cursing in a biblical manner is when the enemy of your soul, Lucifer, Satan, whatever word you want to use, and his horde of rebellious, spiritually, uh, spiritually rebellious fallen spirits, they try to stop you from understanding who God wants you to be. They try to stop you from being who God intended for you to be. And so uh, Satan uses a person to impart his message, Satan's message, um, Satan's image of what you should be and how you should live uh, to the heart of someone. So when you are blessed by someone, they have connected you to your highest purpose, highest calling, and spiritual destiny. When you are cursed by someone, they block you from your highest calling, highest blessing, spiritual identity. Do you see? So I have tried to speak carefully, and as a result, I fear that I may have made you think this is more um, complicated than it really is. Let's just do it like this. If right here is who God said you should be and you're wandering all over the place and someone calls to you and says, know this, this is who God said you could be and they connect you back with that, they have blessed you. On the other hand, here is what God says you could be, who you are in God, your, your destiny, your divine image and you're wandering all over trying to find it. But instead of leading you to it, someone is blocking you. They're hindering you. They're keeping you from seeing uh, who God wanted wanted you uh, to be. And so we can go uh, deeper into the biblical understanding of this. Like, for example, the Hebrew word for bless is barak, which is um, gives the literal image of someone kneeling before someone receiving um, a blessing. It is as though you take a posture of humility before some, someone who can lead you or bless you, and they bless you in a, uh, uh, an appropriate manner. Um, and in the Greek, the, the, the word to bless is, um, is, is elogio, if I, I'm probably butchering that pronunciation. Um, but it's the word we get our modern word eulogy from. When you say good things about someone, we typically do it at a funeral, but <laughs> once you're dead, it's too late to bless you. <laughs> and so um, this elogio, it, it, is, it is to speak blessing upon uh, someone else. So as parents, as spiritual leaders, as pastors, as mentors, as Bible teachers, as small group leaders, as uh, Sunday school teachers, um, as um, youth ministers, we want to connect people to who God said they could be. We want them to see. We can't choose for them. That's not what we're doing. But we're helping them to see the love of God that is shed abroad in their lives. We are helping them to see just the, just how deep, just how profound God's commitment is uh, to them. And so we pour out of what we know about God's heart to the person who does not know. We speak the testimony of God's promise to the person who, who does not know. Or we give them an image of God that leaves them more confused than they were. I'll give you a real quick example for the sake of clarity. That's my goal, clarity. Um, 
let's say that you claim to be a Christian. Let's say you you go to church religiously, um, and there's somebody in your life that you're 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 working with. Um, or let, let me let me broaden it from that. You're not working with them. You just know them. Say you do business together, and here you are, this labeled Christian. You talk all this stuff, but one day you have a bad day. Uh, you flip out. You tell them off. You cuss them seven ways from Sunday. You know who you are, <laughs> and uh, then you move on. You you don't apologize. You just hope they forget. You have made it harder for them to see who God is because you have shown them something that is the antithesis of who God is. So it's not that believers don't need grace too. We do. It's not that believers don't lose our tempers too. We do. Trust me, we do. Um, It is that we recognize that we are image bearers of God. We bear God's image. And we don't simply do it um, in some kind, kind of type of symbolic religious way where you go to church and that's enough. No, in your life, you bear the image of God. And you either bless people by showing them in your life and actions, how um, showing them the nature and the heart of God, uh, or you in some ways curse them, you confuse them. Here you are claiming to be changed by God and you're acting worse than their crazy uncle. You, you understand? Um, and so we, all of us, we, we are either... Helping people be blessed because we have connected them to the source of blessing by our lives, our love, our generosity, our kindness, or we're cursing them by making it harder for them to see God at work in their life. Now, I've spoke this very broadly, but it is, I think, uh, most clearly seen in the role of uh, children, the, 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 the little people uh, or the not so little people. Uh, who are closest to your life, you are either showing them God or you're not. You're either blessing them or cursing them. Um, And this is why so often that as a pastor, I make an appeal uh, to people to live their life a certain way. And it's not about me putting them in heaven or hell. Just to be clear, that's a God thing. And I'm not, how would I know? Biblically, even the preacher understands or struggles to understand his own heart. Um, So I I don't want to run around acting like I understand yours. But what I do want to do is I want to encourage you to live your life in such a way where when people see your life, they are connected to blessing and they're not confused, which is a curse in their life. And so a lot of times I'll just pick some simple things. You know, you hear me say a lot. Um, you know, to be a worshiper, your, your kids, uh, the, the young Christians in your life, uh, the people you're nurturing, they need to see you worship in the tough times. Um, if, if we're the kind of Christians who when things are good, we go to church, and then when things are bad, we don't. We're, 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 we're confusing those people in our life that are looking to us. If we go to church when it's convenient, but if there's ever a, a little bit difficult to go to church, well, we just, we don't go. Um, this isn't about me getting on to you. Um, this is about you seeing how that lesson to the people in your life who are looking to you, um, it's, a, it's, it's a confusion to them. I, I'm going to oftentimes substitute the word confusion for curse because I don't want to freak myself and you out. None of us want to cause anybody harm, and it just breaks our heart to think we would. So if you'll allow me that indulgence. Um, let, me, let me do what Jesus did oftentimes. Um, it's hard for me to be like Jesus. <laughs> I try, but it's hard. But one thing I do know is he used examples of growing uh, plants, growing harvests, crops, uh, to teach us about the ways of God. Now, let's say, 
let's say um, you're going to grow a garden. Um, I am, I'm not a gardener, but I love, uh, I love the idea. I just, I don't have the time. I don't take the time uh, to do any of it. Um, but I, like, for example, I, I think I'm fascinated by farming. I watch some farmers on YouTube. Uh, they just finished all of their seeding, and I'm interested in that. And I love flowers. I love to take pictures of flowers, the trees. I, I love landscape architecture, but I don't do it myself. So why am I saying all that? I'll tell you the little bit I know. If you're watching someone trying to plant, you'll often see them taking care to get the nutrients correct. Um, for years growing up, my, my mother's quite a, quite a prolific gardener in her own way. And um, I'd see her out with miracle Grow when she's mixing her potters, pottering soil and she's getting this blue sand looking plant food stuff and she's putting it in there and she is mixing it all. Um, and the result of that is, of course, that if you get the soil right, if you get the nutrients right, uh, the plant just grows to its potential. It's just, it flourishes. I think that's the key word. It, it just explodes into what it can be. Um, but now let's imagine that you did something opposite. And instead of um, getting the soil right, you put hydrochloric acid in it. And what if you, like the manner of an ancient kingdom, uh, having conquered a people that they did not want to do well, they salted the earth so uh, crops would not grow. Um, this is, a, I think, a, a good way to think of how we, are, we either bless or we curse. We either make it more likely for people to connect with who they can be in God, to see the identity that they can be and live, uh, or we confuse them and we make it less likely they ever connect with who God is and God's image upon them and who they can be, who they can be in, in, in faith. So parents, church leaders, mentors, uh, listen to me uh, sum this up and let all of us carefully apply uh, this to our life. Um, parents, mentors, teachers with their words, with their attitudes, with their actions, possess the ability to bless or curse the people in their care. Thankfully, that blessing and cursing is not the end, and oftentimes God can fix things that we've messed up. Oftentimes, the mercy of God can take the fragments of uh, our flaws and make people whole, but I think we should face the heavy responsibility and burden that we have, that our words, our attitudes, and our actions have the ability to bless or curse curse the identity of the people in our care, the identity of our children, the people that we are seeing flourish into spiritual life, um, the loved ones that we are nurturing, the people that are in our small groups. Um, these are the people you have been placed by God uh, to minister to. That is your kingdom work. Being saved is not your kingdom work. That's the gift of God. Uh, that's not enough. Uh, in fact, the Number one way you can kill your kingdom productivity is be obsessed with whether or not you are saved. You have to do what you know and you have to give that to God. You cannot live there because you'll become obsessed with self-perfection and you will be blind to the harvest field in which God has placed you. Um, and so you are called truly to bear your, the image of God, to carry the promises of God, to be the water or, or to be the spring 
that is bringing water to a parched land. And uh, our words, actions, uh, attitudes can bless or they can curse. Uh, the right attitudes, actions, and words can be like miracle grow in the spiritual lives of our children, our spiritual children. On the other hand, uh, the wrong attitude, the wrong words can be like hydrochloric acid or salt uh, in a different context poured into the land. And it's not that nothing grows. It's that it is a stunted, dysfunctional growth. And so I want to end by uh, saying something that I think is so profound that it, when I realized it, it, it was though I had been smote in my heart. And that is this. Um, this principle is so true. It is so powerful um, that uh, Jesus himself needed to be blessed by his Father. Think about that. It is so true, it is so powerful that Jesus himself needed to be blessed by his Father. He needed to know his role, his place. Now, this freaks us out. It, it did me. It was like I was smote right in my heart. Um, Jesus is baptized, and what happens in that moment? The Holy Spirit descends upon him in the sign of a dove. A voice comes out of heaven, and here's the blessing, the blessing of God. You are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Luke 3, verse 22. If Jesus needed it, how much more do your children need it? Uh, how much more do you need it? How much more do the, do the young believers in our church need it? Um, we think they need correction, and sometimes they do. But churches that give correction without giving blessing leads, it's not that nothing grows. It's that it's a dis, 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 de, deformed, dysfunctional, dysfunctional growth. Even Pharisees have growth if they work at it. Jesus criticized them and said, you guys will move heaven and earth to make one disciple. Um, it's hard because they got so much stuff. They got to get lined up, so rule after rule. You have to move heaven and earth to make a disciple. And when you finally do, Jesus said, he's twice the son of hell you are. <laughs> Whoa, uh, that's not what we're going for. Um, I, want, I want to see in my life the ability to nurture, to bless. Yes, correction is real. And we'll talk about that as part of blessing. Um, but we can't primarily uh, be the gift that we, uh, to live as though the gift we give to others is straighten them out, correcting them, rebuking them. They need to feel our blessing upon them. Even Jesus needed to know that Almighty God, His Father in heaven, was pleased, pleased in Him. So we're going to spend the next few weeks talking about this, uh, the power of a parent's blessing. Um, I am going to, uh, next week, I'm going to talk about this in Hebrew life and how the Hebrew father, the Jewish father, uh, seven times in the life of a child speaks blessing over them. And I want us to learn from this. And I want us in our calling and our spiritual path uh, to begin to bless and not curse. Bless and not curse. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would help us as a church, help us as individual believers to bless the people that are in our care. Firstly, our children but more the people we are mentoring, uh, family members who perhaps look to us as an older cousin or an older brother, um, brothers and sisters in the church who 
look to older believers as someone who already has gone through certain things, and we speak blessing to them, not just correction, uh, but blessing to them. They feel the weight of your goodness, and they feel within their spirit the power of your identity upon them, your image upon them. We want to bless your people. Help me as a as a teacher to convey this in a manner where it springs to life in the heart of those who listen. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We love you. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast and bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, please text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come, worship with us.